this week on Hope for the Broken. God speaks, but it's not always in this epiphany, if you will. And I think that that's one of the things that we think. We think that, well, if God speaks to us, then it'll be like this audible voice that's unmistakable. And I want you to know something. Just like God showed up in that room in front of Samuel, God still wants to show up in small rooms of ordinary people and speak to them. God wants to show up in your life and speak to you. And I promise you, He is doing it. The question is, what is He saying? Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Life Lessons. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part five titled, Learning to Hear God Speak. We are in the middle of a teaching series that we have entitled Life Lessons. We're taking a look at the book, the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, and we're working our way kind of verse by verse through uh, 1 Samuel. And uh, we first looked at chapter 1. It was about Hannah, who is Samuel's mom, and how she desperately wanted a child, a son. And she prayed one of those prayers of desperation. And we learned and were encouraged to follow her example to pray prayers of desperation. But we also learned how God granted her request. And she had made a promise that if God would give her a son, that, that she would give him back to the Lord to serve him all the days of her life. And then we looked at how she made good on that very vow. And, and then we took a look a couple weeks ago at uh, the comparison between the life of Eli and his sons who were sinful uh, religious leaders uh, versus Samuel who was a holy leader, one who was truly pursuing God, not perfect, but desiring to follow God with his life and, and live in that way. And then we paused last week to celebrate our 40th anniversary. Did you guys not have fun uh, during our 40th anniversary? It was a blast. Thank you for participating in that, for serving. It was a huge win in the life of our church. And so this week we pick back up in what is one of the most famous passages in all of 1 Samuel. Uh, It's 1 Samuel chapter 3. So let me invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me there to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to cover the entire chapter this morning in a message that I have entitled, Learning to Hear from God. One of the questions that I think is, is common to every single human is the question, how can I hear God speak to me? We've probably all heard testimonies of how people have shared a a moment, a time in which uh, God has spoken to them. Perhaps you have even been the recipient of someone coming up to you and saying, hey, listen, God told me to tell you. Have you ever wondered how they know that? I mean, how, how do you know that God is speaking to you? How can you hear God speak? We all have that question. I can remember... Uh, one time uh, we were on a family vacation. We took our whole family to go visit the Ark in Kentucky. If you have not been to see the Ark, you need to put it on your bucket list. It's, it really causes the Bible to come to life. And so uh, I would encourage you to, to, to go and put that on your bucket list. But we went and, and on our way home, we took a slightly different route and we went through St. Louis, Missouri. 
And of course, we wanted to see the arch, you know, the, the giant arch. But we had heard that there was this, this place called the City Museum. How, how many of you guys have ever been to the City Museum? Anybody in the room? Okay, uh, just a couple of you. All right, the City uh, Museum is a child's dream and a parent's nightmare, okay? It is a multi-story uh, fun place where kids just go crazy, right? And this was pre-pandemic that we were there and the place was absolutely packed. Our kids were the age where you still had to watch them like a hawk, but they wanted their independence. And when you have four kids, uh, you do cover two defense, right? You cover two, I'll cover two. And uh, I remember I was responsible for two. I can't remember which one, but I remember I had one and then I was, y'all got to pray for me because Kathy probably has never heard that I lost our kid in this place. <laughs> but I was looking for the other, right? And, uh, and this place was packed. And I was like, man, I got to really find this child or else I'm in really bad trouble. And so I remember kind of going through the deal, calling out their name, yelling their name. And in the midst of, the, of all the volume of noise of kids bouncing off the wall, I, I, heard, this, I heard this voice, here I am, dad. You know, have you ever experienced anything like that? Like in, in the midst of chaos, you can hear the voice that you're wanting to hear. Uh, and, and so I was able to, to find our child. He was great. He was just having a blast. And, uh, but, but why, do, why can we do that? Maybe we're in a coffee shop. There's lots of noise going around us, but we can pay attention to the person right across from us because we're in close proximity and because it's the person we really want to hear. I think focus is key on that. And what we're going to discover this morning as we examine how Samuel learned how to hear from God is that we too can learn to hear from God. And it requires focus on our part. We must be tuned in to God's voice in our life. And so we're going to look at this morning's passage, chapter 3, in, in three different ways. We're going to examine how Samuel learned to hear God's voice. We're going to see how Samuel responded to God's voice. And we're going to see how Samuel continued in God's voice. And then I want to wrap up our time together, our study, by looking at three life lessons on how we can learn to hear God speak to us. But let's first begin our study this morning by looking at Samuel learning to hear God's voice. We're going to move, by the way, quickly through this chapter. Um, and so if, if, you, if you need to spend time, and I hope that you do, spend time, your personal time with the Lord uh, this week reading through this chapter. I think there's a lot here, but we're going to move quickly through it. Verses 1 through 10, Samuel had to learn to hear God's voice. Let's look at verse 1. It says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. So we learn here that, that Samuel is now a boy. He's no longer a toddler. He's a boy. And most scholars believe he's somewhere between the age of 12 and 17. We also see that this is a dark time in Israel. Because of the sin of Eli and his sons taking advantage of the people of God and really spiritually abusing them, the, we learn that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no occurrence where the people of God received a vision and direction from God. It was just a dark time. Verse 2, at that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. 
Now, these two verses give us great insight here. But beyond just the background information that is required to understand what is happening in this story, that's also full of symbolism, I believe. So Eli was losing his eyesight. He was growing old. And I think this is both a physical uh, predicament that he finds himself in, but also a spiritual predicament. He was not only having difficulty seeing physically, he was having difficulty perceiving spiritually. You might say, well, how do we know that? Well, remember when Hannah came to the, to the tabernacle and she was praying, she was pouring her out, heart out to God. What did Eli think? Eli thought she was drunk, right? She was on drugs. And, and it's because he was having trouble seeing the spiritual nature of things. As we're going to see in just a moment, it takes Eli three times to realize that God was calling out to Samuel. So not only is he physically going blind, his eyesight's leaving him, but also spiritually, he's having trouble seeing the Lord at work. But then we also learn that the lamp of God had not yet gone out. This tells us the time of day that Samuel's uh, call occurred. This was before the the lamp had to be relit in the morning, and so this was in the pre-dawn hours that, that this call of God came to Samuel. But more than that, I love the terminology there in, in my translation. The, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Aren't you glad that no matter how dark it gets in our world, how dark society gets, there's always hope. Because God's not done. God will rise, raise up a Samuel. He will call a generation to himself that will carry the torch, that will carry the banner of Jesus. He will rise up churches that are willing to be obedient to his voice and to follow him. And he will use them for his glory and for his namesake. And so there's hope here. Even though this is a dark time, there's, there's still hope. And then we also learn that Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Now, the priest had some quarters there within the tabernacle. That's where Eli stayed. I believe he had Samuel stay in close proximity to him because he couldn't see. He was growing old. And in the middle of the night, if he needed help, he could call on, Eli, or call on Samuel. But here's another key point that we're going to see in just a moment. It's Samuel was close to the ark of God. The ark of God represented the very presence of God. Samuel had positioned himself near the presence of God, which enabled him to hear God's call upon his life. That's going to be important here for us coming up. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. It says, Then the Lord called Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down, and the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, my son. Lie down again. Now this is, you remember whenever you had little kids and they would come in in the middle of the night always bothering you? I mean, at this point, Eli's like saying, Dude, go to bed, right? Just go to sleep. Now verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Now, I, th I think it's important to point out because some people would read that and say, well, Samuel must not have been a believer yet for him to not know the Lord. But I think the qualifier there for the word of the Lord had yet to be revealed to him is key in understanding that Samuel was a believer. Samuel was a follower. Samuel did have a relationship with God. He had just never received this kind of revelation before. And so he was unaware as to what was happening there. 
And so that's what I think is happening here. Now, it's very possible that this voice that Samuel heard was an audible voice. I mean, we weren't there. I don't know. Eli obviously didn't hear it. Um, so I don't know if, if it was an audible voice or not, but it was something so specific to Samuel that it, it caused him to awake from sleep, right? And so he, he got up. And I'm sure the reason why he ran to Eli is because he was used to Eli calling on him in the middle of the night for something that he needed. Verse 8 says, And the Lord called to Samuel again the third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then... Eli perceived, finally, this guy's slow on the uptake, right? Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. That's good advice. So Samuel went and laid down in his place, and the Lord came and stood, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant hears. Now, it's really important that God calls his name twice here because this draws us, our attention, back to two prominent figures in Israel's history leading up to this point. This is the same way God called Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, right? It's the same way God called Moses, Moses, Moses. And there has not been a prophet in the nation of Israel at this point since Moses, So what God is doing whenever he's calling Samuel's name twice, he's giving him a calling of his life. He's calling him to be a prophet. He's calling him to do a new work in the nation of Israel. And so when we read that, it's extremely important to notice the two times he says his name. So that is Samuel learning to hear God's voice. The second section of this chapter is Samuel responding to God's voice. So now he's learned to hear it. God's going to speak something to him. And then Samuel's got to determine whether or not he's going to respond to it. So let's begin in verse 11. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Now let me just tell you something. Anytime you read that in the Old Testament, that is not good news. Right? This is not like, ooh, that's cool to hear. Let's hear that again. This is not, not massaging your ears. Every time that phrase is used in the Old Testament, it is about to pronounce punishment, about to bring judgment. And so Samuel hears this and he thinks, uh-oh. Right? Verse 12, On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. What did he speak about his house? Remember chapter 2? He spoke judgment against Eli and his sons for their grievous sin. Verse 13, he says, And I declare to him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel's first words from the Lord is, Your mentor is in severe trouble. Then in verse 15, Samuel lay until morning and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Again, more symbolism here. I think that was his regular duties was to open the house of the Lord. But I think the detail here is showing us that God is fixing to open the door to a revival. God is opening the door to move in a powerful way. And listen, can I just tell you something? When I, when I look out over our culture, 
And I see what God is doing in, in the lives of people that he is calling to himself. Let me tell you something. God's opening a door. And God's going to move in power in ways that we have yet to see him. Anybody else want to see that? I know I do. And so we've got to believe that God is opening the door to a new movement that he is going to do. And that's what he's doing here. And it says, and Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he said, here I am. And Eli said, what was it that God told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me and of all that he has told you. So Samuel's very first sermon, <laughs> Eli, it's not good, right? And Eli said, it is the Lord, let him do what seems good. I remember my very first sermon, it was bad, uh, not because of the word that I had to share. It just was a bad sermon. I was 20 years old. I was invited. I was a student at Baylor University. I was invited to speak at this small country church in Gatesville, and the deacon one the deacon led worship and bless his heart couldn't carry a tune in a bucket right and i get up and i deliver probably was maybe a 10 minute sermon i mean it was terrible and then i go and i sit down and i'm like that was awful and he gets up on stage to do the announcements and said well you know chris we're looking for a pastor you want to be our pastor and i'm like after that he goes yeah we're desperate uh <laughs> We'd love to have you. I mean, it was bad. I, I mean, I can't imagine being Samuel having to deliver that as your very first sermon. But he did it. He responded to the voice of God. He was obedient to it. So we have Samuel learning to listen to God, responding to God, and thirdly, Samuel continuing listening to God's voice. In other words, this was not the only time that Samuel listened to God's voice. He was constantly tuned in. Look at verse 19. It says, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. That is, when Samuel heard from God, he spoke God's word. And when it says that none of his words fell to the ground, it means that everything he said came to pass. It came to fruition. Verse 20, And all of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, to the northernmost, to the southernmost, in other words, the imagery is all of Israel uh, knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. Verse 21, and the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. More constant communication with God. In chapter 4, verse 1, the first part of it says, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. The point is, is that Samuel continued hearing from God. He didn't learn it, and it wasn't a one-time experience. It was a continual thing that he persisted in. And that's extremely important to being obedient to God. So, that's the passage. Now, let's talk about life lessons. What do we learn from this story in Scripture? Probably one of the most famous stories outside of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel. What do we learn from it? Life lesson number one, God still speaks today. God still speaks. And I want you to know, beloved, that God desires to speak directly to your heart. And I believe that even at this moment, God desires to speak to you. 
You know, we often jump to conclusions, don't we, when we don't hear God speak to us. We think, well, have I offended God? That He no longer wants to talk to me? We think, well, does God even care? I mean, we're praying about this circumstance. We're not hearing anything from God. Does God even care? Does God even exist? Is it just my prayers hitting the ceiling? And that's as far as it goes. We want to have God speak to us in very clear and tangible ways. So much so that we look for a handwriting in the sky. We look for Jesus to appear in our pancakes. We look for some cosmic message in our coffee, right? And we think that there's some mystical way by which God speaks. We're looking for phenomena to say, well, then if the phenomena has happened, then God is speaking. And if it's not happening, then God's not speaking. Listen, let me tell you something. God is speaking. God is always speaking. And here's the deal. God, more often than not, speaks to us in a still, small voice, not in some strange phenomena. Samuel may have heard an audible voice here. And yes, the presence of the Lord stood before him. But you've got to understand, in the biblical account, that's rare. Most of the time, God spoke through a prophet that came to God's servant. And we're going to see that as we study 1 Samuel a lot. You know, I've only had one time in my life where I felt like the closest thing I could equate it to was an audible voice. I don't think it, it wasn't an audible voice, but you know what I mean? Like it felt like it was an audible voice. And it's only happened to me one time. I was uh, I just finished my freshman year of, of college. It was in the summer and we were on a mission trip. We were doing a soccer camp in Eagle Pass, Texas. And we were reaching teenagers through this, through this sports ministry. And, uh, and we did a community-wide service for the students at their community pool. And we had hundreds of teenagers come to this. And, and I remember I was standing by the pool and I was engaged in conversation with, with a teenager telling them about Jesus. And I heard what, what felt like an audible voice that said, Chris, this is what I want you to do with your life. That was it. It wasn't this long, lengthy paragraph. It wasn't this long, intense session with God or anything like that. It just, in the course of, of, of just natural occurrences, I felt like the Lord said, this is what I want you to do with your life. And so I went back home and I told my pastor. And, and so he began helping me hear God's voice and say, well, if that truly is God's voice, God will confirm it. And so let's put you in a role of ministry. And I began to do ministry. God continued to open doors and he confirmed that that was indeed the call that he had upon my life. But you understand, certainly I have heard from God since then, but not like that. That was a unique experience. It happened to me very few times. And so God speaks, but it's not always in this uh, epiphany, if you will. And I think that that's one of the things that we think. We think that, well, if God speaks to us, then it'll be like this audible voice that's unmistakable. Oftentimes, God speaks to us in a still, small voice, and then He trusts us to follow and step out on faith and watch Him confirm how He speaks to us. So the question is not whether or not God's speaking. God is speaking. And I want you to know something. Just like God showed up in that room in front of Samuel, God still wants to show up in small rooms of ordinary people and speak to them. God wants to show up in your life and speak to you. I promise you. And I promise you He is doing it. The question is, what is He saying? But here I want to mention five ways that I believe God commonly speaks. 
Five ways that I think God still speaks today. Number one, through the Holy Spirit of God. That's the first way God speaks. In John chapter 16, Jesus tells us this much. He says in chapter 16, verses 12 and 13, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit, capital S, Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you. In other words, He will speak to you, He will guide you if you listen to Him and follow Him. He will guide you to all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have trusted Him as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit takes up residence within you. And He speaks to you. He prompts you. He leads you. He guides you. And we often have a, a choice to make. We're either going to follow the Spirit of God in our lives or we're going to follow the flesh. And Paul warns against the destruction that following the flesh brings. Instead, we should tune in to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and instead follow it. That's where a life of blessing comes. So God speaks through the promptings of His Holy Spirit, number one. Number two, God speaks through the Scriptures. The Bible is often referred to as God's Word. That's because it is. The scripture tells us of itself that it is breathed out. It is the very breath of God. It is God's Word. And it leads us. And it guides us. And it must direct us. Psalm chapter 119, verse 105 says, Your word, your scripture is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I think sometimes when we say, God, why are you not speaking to me? You know what I think he's saying in reply? I've already spoken. Right? Get in my word. It will lead you. It will guide you. It will direct you. So God speaks through the Holy Spirit. God speaks through the Scriptures. Thirdly, God speaks through the church. Now, I want to be very clear when I say God speaks through the church. I'm not talking about just God speaking through the leadership of the church. Because you've got to remember the biblical principle, the New Testament teaching of the church is that we as believers in Jesus Christ, we're the church. The church is not a building that we go to. It's not a service we attend. The church is not even the leadership that leads and guides the local expression of the church. The church are all believers of Jesus Christ. So when I say that God speaks through the church, what I'm talking about is God speaks through His people. This is why coming to church is important. So that you can find yourself surrounded by God's people who can speak truth into you. And often through that speaking and that exchange of truth between fellow believers, we get confirmation of God's call upon our lives. That has been the case for me time and time again. I can hear God speak or sense God prompting me in a certain direction and he will always confirm it through his people. And the story of Samuel, Eli finally gave Samuel good advice. He finally said, okay, listen, I think it's God calling you. You need to say this. You need to say, speak for your servant is listening. And that came by a relationship. God didn't supernaturally reveal that he needed to say that. It came from another believer that helped shape that within Samuel. Colossians 3.16 says this, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He's talking to the church believers, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I have found that there is great counsel in the counsel of godly people. And God often clarifies his word to us in the counsel of his people. Now, it's very important to know and understand that there are two types of wisdom that the Bible talks about. There's heavenly wisdom and there's earthly wisdom. Listen, if you want to be obedient to God, you need to not listen to earthly wisdom because the words, God's word says that there is a way that seems right to man, but in the end leads to death. Instead, we must tune our heart to heavenly wisdom. So how do you find heavenly wisdom? Well, you find it in the people that are pursuing Jesus. Listen, if you're seeking wisdom and counsel from someone whose life looks nothing like Jesus, I can promise you the best that they can give you is earthly wisdom. But if you want heavenly wisdom, you find it in the counsel of people who are running with Jesus, who are seeking Jesus, who desire to be like Jesus. So God speaks through His Holy Spirit. He speaks through the Scriptures. He speaks through His church. Fourthly, He speaks through creation. He speaks through creation. Now hear me out. This is not me saying that God is creation or that creation is God. That's pantheism. right? That's a pagan belief system. What I mean by that is that God has revealed Himself through creation. If you're here today and you're wondering, how can I know that God exists? Walk out and look at His beautiful creation. It is a testimony of the goodness of God. It is God speaking to you through His creation. I'm here. I exist. I desire a relationship with you. That's why Romans 1, 19 and 20 says this, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they were without excuse. Listen, God speaks to us through the beauty and the greatness of His creation. So through His Holy Spirit, through the Scriptures, through the church, through creation, fifthly, through Jesus. God has most clearly spoken through Jesus Christ. You may say, well, how, how, can, you, how can you know that? Well, in the first chapter of the Gospel of John, we're introduced to this idea of the Word being there from the beginning, right? In the beginning was the Word. Well, you skip down to verse 14 and we find out who the Word is, right? Because the Word became what? Became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, who is that? That's Jesus. So Jesus is God's Word manifest. That means this, that if we want to be obedient to God's voice, then we will seek to be like Jesus who is the very Word of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says this, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom He also created the world. So God speaks in, primarily in five major ways. That's life lesson number one. God still speaks. Life lesson number two. It's hearing God requires intentionality. It requires an intentional approach on our part to be able to position ourselves to hear God speak to us. I'm convinced 
that one of the reasons that we don't hear God speak is that we don't take time to position ourselves to hear him speak to us. Samuel positioned himself. You remember where he was? He was near the ark of God. He was in the presence of God. And that's when he heard his name called. Now, I'm not saying that you have to come to church to hear God speak. That's not what I'm saying. Because again, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Jesus, our mediator, God speaks directly to you. You do not have to come to church. You do not have to go to a priest. Praise God because of the work, finished work of the cross. We have a direct line to Almighty God. Okay? So you don't have to come to church to hear God speak. But we must position our hearts and our minds to get to a place where we say, God, I'm ready to hear you. God, would you speak for your servant is listening. The problem is, is we don't listen, right? And me too. And there are obstacles to us positioning ourselves. I want to mention four obstacles that prevent us from being in a position to hear God speak to us. Number one is inexperience. Samuel was young. He had never heard the word of the Lord like that before. And so he was inexperienced. He didn't know what was going on. He didn't know what he didn't know. And it is extremely comforting to me that Samuel, one of the godliest men in the Bible, had to learn to hear God speak. He had to intentionally position himself close to God to hear him speak. That gives us hope, right? You and I, normal people, we can hear God speak, but oftentimes it's our inexperience with God that leads us to an obstacle to hearing God. The second obstacle to hearing God speak is expectation. Expectation. We learned in the first verse that God's word was what in those days? It's rare. No frequent vision. Eli had no concept that God would even speak to Samuel. That's why it took him three tries to get it right. They didn't expect God to speak. They had grown complacent with not hearing God's voice. Listen, I'm convinced that one of the major reasons we don't hear God speak today is because we don't expect Him to. We've grown all too comfortable with living our own lives and not positioning ourselves in a posture to be still and to hear God speak. Let me ask you a question, an honest question that we need to evaluate. Do we honestly expect God to interrupt the busyness of our lives to speak to our hearts? Do we honestly expect that? One of the greatest stories, my favorite story in all the Bibles, Acts chapter 3, when Peter and John are going to the temple, right, for worship, and, and there's, a, there's a lame man that's begging at the gate called Beautiful. And remember what Peter and John do? They walk up to the guy, and, and, and they said, silver or gold have we none, but what we have, we give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. I want you to think about that for a moment. They had to have some sort of expectation that God was going to do something to say those words, right? And what happened? God showed up. If we don't expect God to speak to us, God won't speak to us let alone will we ever position ourselves to hear from Him. And so we have to develop an expectation. Inexperience in hearing God's voice is an obstacle. Expectation is an obstacle. Thirdly, let's call it outright. Sin 
is an obstacle to hearing God speak. And it's an obstacle for a couple of reasons. Eli and his sons could not hear God speak because their sin was grievous. And they had no desire to repent of their sin. None. So why would God speak? It was a barrier to them. But sin also affects what we want and what we think we're going to hear from God. Let me give you a case in point. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, before they ate of the fruit that they were not supposed to, they enjoyed a great relationship with a holy God. Remember that God would walk with them through the cool of the day? I mean, what a great relationship. But remember when they took the fruit that they were not supposed to, and it says that they heard God walking through the garden, what'd they do? They hid. Their sin had caused them to believe that God is coming through the garden to cast judgment and punishment upon them. Now, God is just, and he's going to do that. But here's my point. Sin in our lives leads us to believe. The enemy speaking to our minds and to our hearts leads us to believe that all that God wants to share with you is punishment and judgment. Can I tell you something? God wants to tell you where to find life. We should hunger and thirst for God speaking to us, for in it is true life. We should not fear the voice of God in our life. You say, well, Pastor Chris, how can you say that? Doesn't sin affect our relationship with God? Yes, it does. Yes and amen. But here's the truth. God nailed your sin to the cross and remembers it no more. Do we need to repent Yes and amen. The Christian life is marked by repentance. But God doesn't want to... He's already judged your sin. God wants to lead you into the abundant life that Jesus talks about. And so we should expect God to speak to us. We should want God to speak to us. But sin often prevents that. Inexperience, expectation, sin, and fourthly, unwillingness. Eli and his sons did not care to hear from God. They didn't want to. They weren't interested in being obedient to God. They just didn't want to hear it. Why would God speak if we really don't want to hear it? What's the point in that, right? And so we have to have a willingness to say, God, not only do I want to hear your voice, but I want to be obedient to it. Okay? So we got to learn to hear God because God still speaks. It requires intentionality. Third life lesson, hearing God brings clarity. You know, whenever you get a word from the Lord and you see confirmation and you begin to see God work and leading you and guiding you in that word, it brings a sense of peace and clarity knowing that you're right smack dab in the middle of God's will for your life. It's a clarity there. And so let me just tell you, when we look at Samuel, we see Samuel hear from God. We see Samuel receive a calling from God. And we see Samuel have clarity and purpose. And his pursuit of that clarity and purpose brought glory to God. It says, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. Did you know God has a calling on your life? I think sometimes we think, you know, called. That's for the professional people, right? 
That's for, that's for pastors. And No, no, no. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. The question is, is, have we heard what that purpose and plan are? And are we living in it? Have we positioned ourselves to hear from God, to receive that calling and to be obedient to it? God has a purpose and plan for your life. But the other way that, that hearing from God brings clarity is it gives us the ability to see as God sees. One of the coolest moments in all the Scriptures is a dialogue between Moses and God. Remember when he goes up on Mount Sinai? And the people are like, well, he's been up there too long. And we, they make a golden calf and they start worshiping it. You remember the story? What does God say? He said, hey, Moses, look at your people. Look at what they're doing. I'm going to smite them. And do you remember what Moses said? Oh, God, no, you can't. And he began praying for his people. And he began begging God for the brokenness of his people to be healed and restored. And you know what the Scripture says? It says God changed his mind. Now, if we honestly believe that God changes his mind, then we, we're, we've got a problem with God, right? We've got bad theology. Because as we sang, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So God's not changing. So what was God doing there? God in that dialogue in speaking to Moses, was giving Moses his heart for his people. When we hear for God, we get his heart for our community. His heart for our nation. His heart for our world. And when we have his heart, then and only then can we be his hands. And so when we hear God, not only does he give us a purpose, not only does he place a call upon our life, but you know what? We become ministers of reconciliation, redeeming brokenness in our lives. Let's talk real practical for just a moment. How many times have you driven past a man begging because he's homeless and you hear that still small voice to go get that man some food? That brings clarity, right? That's God speaking. Are we going to respond to that? Okay? Three life lessons. God still speaks. Don't ever doubt it. Number two, hearing God requires us being intentional. And number three, when we hear God, it brings clarity. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at trinitytx.org. If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.